Hey dear, how are you doing? Um, today is Monday the 4th of the first month of 2021. I hope it's going to be amazing for you this year. I hope you actualize all of your goals, your dreams. I hope you position yourself in the necessary places. I hope you are feeling alright. Welcome back. This is the first episode of the year and... I had a good listen back at the last couple of episodes and noted some areas for improvement that I'll take quite seriously um, because I never actually quite listened back. So I took notes and I will make it a point to improve. On that note, thank you again for coming back. Um, Today, I would like us to talk a bit about the context um, abortion has unfolded in. And uh, I'd like to also look a little bit into the traditional aspect of it and also look into some organizations that seem to be extending help and kind of consider what they're offering there so we can have some insight as to what's available and what the issues are. And then look into how we culturally consider abortion. Um, I think the biggest question for this episode is how ready we might actually be especially when we get into the social media aspect of seeing people's conceptions about it. I have apprehensions that I didn't expect. Um, Specifically, before I started looking into abortion's background and how it's been weaponized in different ways, depending on different geographies and political ideologies, it's a tool for the most part. Well, that's what I've considered it after looking at some of the stuff some of which we'll look at together. Um, so let's go into it. Um, I'll start with the social media aspect to contextualize some of the thoughts people have in approaching the topic of abortion. And by some of the people, this is largely youth. It is Twitter. It is a platform that is highly engaged by a younger demographic, but it's also a very hypersexual context. And it does uh, host youth for the most part. And that matters because that tends to be the demographic that most accesses abortion or seeks to anyways. Um, most likely probably due to the fact that they are the most uh, volatile and they haven't yet, you know, found their stability in the trajectory of their lives, our lives. I'm 26. So I guess that includes me. Um, so... It may just seem like it's Twitter and it's not that important, but I think that's why it's important. Um, these are the people who speak about it, access it, want it, need it, or face consequences if they can't <clears throat> access abortion. All right, so what had happened was on the 3rd of January, that's yesterday, uh, a user, I don't think I'm going to say her name, tweeted, last year I had two abortions. That's all she said. (laughs) It's not giving much in terms of whether this is a celebration, whether this is a just TMI moment, whether it's... We don't know what it is. So we can't really conclude on whether she's gloating about it or, you know, excited or proud of herself or patting herself on the back or if this is just a statement. But I liked this because it's going to show us the mentalities people hold in regard to this very crucial matter. Okay, so as at the time I saw it, which was a couple of hours ago, it got 192 retweets and 175 quote tweets and just under 2,000 likes. So certainly people were engaging with this. And so the first response to this, again, the original tweet said, last year I had two abortions, and someone's response was, so killed two innocent souls, wow, some people won't see heaven. Heartbreak emoji. The next response says, some of us are praying to have kids and others are terminating those lives. Um, The next response says, this year have formos with Drake in the, you know, gif space thingy the laughing face the next response is you had too much scorn my friend um 
and attached is a picture that says you're sleeping around um the next response is why ore pateletsa go itse u yenzu choices akho u one isifakelani Okay, so I guess they're saying, why are you involving us in your decisions? You made the choice on your own. Why are you adding us to it? The next response is, why? Okay, well, that they echoed that sentiment. The next says, shame. Is, is that even real? The next response is, don't they put loops to prevent you from falling pregnant again in the next few years? The next response is, someone can get pregnant. Oh, no, no, that was a reply to that. Okay. Next response is, men in this thread swearing at her like they ain't the ones who don't support their offspring. The next response is, hard to tell if you need support or you're celebrating it. So, two reactions. One, if you had to do the abortions because of circumstances, you're probably struggling with it emotionally. We are 100, we are 100, I guess 100% behind you. Two, if you enjoy unprotected sex, you're probably bragging for clout. We say it might be AIDS next time. <clears throat> Interesting example of reproductive retribution. So I like how this person puts conditions on their empathy. So if their response is not the one that they find, um, you know, suitable, then you should get AIDS. Okay. Next response is, but if you really don't want kids, one can use contraceptives instead of putting your body under so much trauma. The next response is, babes, since you are not ready for kids or whichever reason you opted for abortion, can you please use a form of contraception to prevent pregnancy? Please don't use pills, especially if you have a busy life. Okay, I'm going to note this down. Okay. All right. Next response. Hope you won't have any this year. Okay. Next response is, I hope these negative and narrow-minded people don't make you regret your decision. You did what was right for you at the time and you will be able to have kids when the time is right. Sending love and light to you. That was sweet. Next response, did you perform any ceremony for babies? Just that I read a thread about the importance of cleansing after miscarriage or abortions. Hello. Crucial. Um, please note that. <laughs> if you are someone who has had abortions, there's something there. If it speaks to you, you'll do, you'll actualize your things. Okay. The next response is not me almost responding with stop effing around. But then I remembered that tweeps lie a lot in these streets for clout next response is she had her reasons you might not understand okay i'm not able to read what that means uh the next one says yeah you so cold how can you ask such a question oh that was a response to another one sorry the next response goes good for you sis instead of keeping kids you don't want slash aren't ready for but another person says, I won't judge you, but it's not right. Any contraceptive would be better than that. Just hope you will reconsider. Okay. Someone said, won't you miss those babies? Another person said, how many months apart? Um, oh, and the lady responded. She said, didn't March and November. Okay, the next response said, I know somebody who had two miscarriages. It's no skin off my back. But she appears to not take it to heart too much, but I still fear they might want to escape with methods they are too embarrassed to tell me they practice. I don't understand that one. Another person says, last year you lost two babies, which might be your last. Um, the next response says, great, you can have as many as you like, as long as you're not ready to have a child. <clears throat> Another responder says, just out of curiosity, how are you taking it? Has it affected you negatively or it doesn't bother you at all? I've watched videos where women talk about abortion and its effects. Um, and then the next responder says, keep your ish out of the net. Fascinating. Noting this down. 
Okay. Okay. Next response is, did you cleanse? I believe this one pertains back to what someone said about how you have to do certain uh, rituals there to ensure, you know, things are fine after your miscarriage or abortion. All right. Another responder says, with regard to the freedom of the individual for choice with regard to abortion, there's one individual who's not being considered at all. That's the one who is being aborted. And I've noticed that everybody that is for abortion has already been born. <laughs> Spicy. Someone replied to that and said, Ethics 101. Hmm. Next response says, Normalize preventing sisters. Another person says, I want to know why you had to make a public announcement. Is there a back-end story? You've been trying to find it, but there are too many comments. Please enlighten me. Um... And then another person said, is it, a si it is, is it a sin for a man to play with himself? Where does that come from? <laughs> okay. Another response is, better than having a child you cannot support financially. Another response is, until someone can't have kids anymore, then they are ready. But let me, to let me tool my box. Heartbreak emojis and crying emojis. Another response is, some people got no shame at all. Another response is, so Katle your pull-out game is strong. Okay. Um, <gasps> wait, I just understood what that meant. Hold on. Wait. Oh, that's not cool. I, I, I think that's the darkest joke I've heard in my life. Oh, this is so dark. If you're missing this... By pull-out game, he means the removal of a fetus from your body. He doesn't mean, um, what is the term they have for it? The withdrawal method. Oh, that is dark. Whew. The next response says, your body, your choice. Next response says, when you're normalizing, oh, I can't understand these words. What you did is wrong and you should... And should you decide to settle down with a man you truly love, um, God, something, something, if you are supposed to have those two children only in your life. There we go. More of the, what if you never have kids again? Um, the next response says, baby girl, I'm not here to judge you. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you've been through. And the healing process begins because you're speaking about it. They will come for you, but there is nothing they can, but bad they can say because you felt worse. We need you to stay strong. That's very considerate. I like that response. <clears throat> the next response is reading this as a person that had a miscarriage last year. Quote unquote. Wish you could have borrowed my baby one life. I'm noting this down. Okay. Oh, so much is coming out of this. The next response is, whatever your reasons were, let's hope it doesn't come along with long-term side effects that will affect you in the future. The next response is, cleanse. Okay. The next response is, men that have kids they don't support are always the first to comment with nasty comments. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next response says, please don't do that. I sympathize with you, but you're not her not being ready to have kids has nothing to do with you losing yours. Oh, this is a response to the lady who sp spoke about her miscarriage. And then the next response is, you did what was best for you and don't ever feel guilty about it. Don't let these God wannabes emotionally blackmail you as if they were going to help you raise those kids had you kept them, at least now you're not begging for handouts with raising anyone. Kids are flippin' expensive. Uh, someone's response is, congratulations, ever heard of contraceptives? Uh, someone's response is, you're safe, 97% of men had 36,600 uh, incidents of playing with themselves. <laughs> okay. Um... Okay. 
So that's the climate, this is arising, and these are the mentalities that underpin the demographic that is sexually active, that is making life-changing choices and ending up in circumstances they need assistance with. All right. I just want to insert in here a piece of information I encountered. It says here, 66 cases of rape, 55 cases of defilement over the festive season in Sirue, policing area. 8 out of 10 perpetrators are family members, ex-lovers or other persons known to the victim. The reason I just stated that is we're contending with two aspects of reproductive engagement the one is the functional one of how you want to protect your biology, supposedly, for fertility reasons. And the other side is that you are too vulnerable in a context whereby, just in Seroy, 66 cases of rape, 55 cases of defilement in the festive season. Eight out of ten perpetrators are people who know you, who you trust, who you are familiar with or have been familiar with. Um. <laughs> so based on these responses we saw to the topic of abortion here, the first thing I noted was the frequency of recommendations. Um, I saw repeated insistence on what this young lady should be trying. Um. Granted, she invited it. It is a social media platform. And people have room to respond to what you put up there. But um, there was such freedom for people to kind of tell her, okay, sure, but um, try this, try that, try this. And it doesn't have a tone of wanting to help. The tone was condescension and judgment. It was shrouded in all kinds of disapproval. Not so much an earnest desire to help, except for maybe one or two responses. But the freedom with which people feel they know better about people's bodies than the people themselves. We don't know if this young lady was on a contraceptive and it failed a couple times. We don't know if this young lady has access. We don't know if she has the finances. We don't know what the circumstance is. But there's a lot of condescending presumption and coming in and indicating this obvious, obvious option that is quite commonly known, um, which is quite insulting. The next thing I noted about the responses is the hypocrisy, specifically in terms of discretion, discretion, discreteness. Okay, being discreet. So people are moralizing or hyper-moralizing this tweet because... There were a few responses we just read here whereby people are like, well, why is this public? Keep this to yourself. Keep this between you and God and such. And the reason I find that hypocritical is specifically on social media platforms. We come here bearing our bodies, talking about our sex lives, talking about our families, talking about all kinds of very personal, int intimate things that one would presume are no one's business. But when it comes to this... All of a sudden, there's this call for privacy, which is so convenient, right? The one topic we need to be having more conversations about, among others, by all means. I'm not trying to make this the sole matter on earth. Why conveniently is there a need for privacy? Because I could swear, if you go to the profiles of the people saying there should be more private, there's something vulgar and personal on there. If it's not a picture, perhaps a video, perhaps insights about things that are personal to them. Hypocrisy. And the last thing I noted was that um, response whereby the lady indicated having had two miscarriages. And I think there was a previous one also, someone mentioning how they've been praying to have a child. And it is a very frequent thing that when women speak up about themselves, what they want for themselves or their own decisions, everyone is quick to interject with their stories and kind of make you a mirror for themselves. 
as opposed to appreciating your right and individuality. She didn't break the law. This young lady is in a country where it's legal and she exercised her right. Now, the conversation would become whether or not you appreciate one aspect or the other about it. But I don't understand this vexation with making women ourselves. The same way if you say you don't want a child, someone is offended or hurt. It's like you're a fabric of society and if you don't conduct yourself well or okay or morally or maternally or self-sacrificially, it's, it's devastation. How did it come that this person is speaking of their own circumstance and experience and you thought of yourself? Sure, it relates. I understand that when we speak about things, we do also go into our own experiences of things. But it just bugged me the depth with which you use your own pain to shine a, mar a moralistic light on what somebody else is going through. Especially the part at the end of that second tweet where they said, if you could have given just one of those lives to one child of mine, as though this person was switching lives and... I don't know. Like, do you want people to live for you guys? Doesn't that scare you? Isn't that a bit gross and, and controlling? The idea that you center yourself in someone's story and you don't even know them. Do you really wish that you had their child? We say some really messed up things we don't mean. What is that? that uh, you know what? Let's move on. <clears throat> Right. So obviously looking into the different pathways of abortion legalization and what has happened historically and how typically it's been achieved in different countries, I came across organizations. I didn't know there are institutions or let me just say organizations that do claim to dedicate themselves to assisting in the endeavor of getting abortion legalized um, around the world, which initially I was ecstatic because I felt like, oh, okay, that's great. This will make it smoother. I don't know anything about the law, etc., etc. But another problem started to pre present itself, right? Before we get into the organizations, if abortion is legalized, there's a cultural overhaul that'll absolutely be necessary in handling that right, in handling, uh, what can I call it? The privilege of being able to access um, this thing. Because when I'm looking at these responses, one question I did get is how ready are we for that responsibility? And granted, it's one's body. You can't mitigate when they can be ready for something. But culturally, we've been so closed off to the topic and institutionally, it's been such a non-starter that we haven't even had time to wrap our heads around the idea of it. Um, but we're going to get into an article shortly that speaks uh, a bit about a region whereby people are, as we also are here, still accessing abortion, just not in formal medical institutions, a.k.a. unsafe abortion. Um, I'm concerned and hope that in the event abortion is legalized, we appreciated for being that an abortion but not a form of birth control <laughs> i hope that's making sense um i hope it remains because its consequences are not proportionate to to birth control and, and the effects and such i'm not i'm not a scientist i'll know but i hope we're ready to grapple with the responsibility is what i'm trying to say Cool, these organizations now. So there's one organization I came across specifically that I'll look at. And it is called IPASIPAS.org. Um, says right at the top here, making abortion legal. That's their website, IPAS.org. 
Um, and so in that type of our work, there's a huge up up the top there. Donate now. These humanitarian organizations notoriously require donation. Is it, it? I don't know. It's something that rubs me in an odd way that each page just has a donate now button right at the top. But okay, so I went to that tab that says our work. And it says up here in huge writing, making abortion legal. And uh, the picture they have in the backdrop is a black young woman um, who looks like she's behind bars. Interesting optics. Conclude as you will there. It's a strengthening local and global movements for abortion rights. Strengthening local and global movements for abortion rights. I'm going to be very... Uh, what's the word? Uh, about about wording here. Because it tells you a lot about what's motivating everything that's occurring on this page. Strengthening local and global movements for abortion rights. Strengthening local, meaning it is centralized somewhere. It's not just generally global. It has centered itself in a geography. So it has an origin, it has a place, <laughs> it has a domestic that we may not necessarily be part of. And then we'll just fall into global movements for abortion rights. Women and girls, all people who can get pregnant, can't determine their own futures without laws and policies that support access to abortion and contraception. We advocate around the world for legal, accessible abortion. Right. Uh, IPAS, IPAS works to educate policymakers and to train police and lawyers on how to uphold the rights of those seeking abortion care. We also partner with local groups and advocate for sexual and reproductive rights. Okay, all right. So now, interestingly enough, I was looking at the countries they are citing on their website. So... We have Bolivia, Rwanda, Nicaragua, Nepal. I'm just going down and scrolling. India, Latin America, Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya. <laughs> okay. Granted, these happen to be geographies that are not as politically progressive and it's no coincidence that there would be a need for this kind of service there. But I'd hope these countries are being put at the forefront for the right reasons. Um, I see black girls here. Indian girls, Indian looking. I'm sorry if I, my presumption is actually quite racist. Another black girl here, a black lady in a head wrap. A young lady here looking stressed. Okay, so the, the, there's optics that appeal to a certain narrative, right? Sounds like, okay. Anyways, I carried on to read what says our strategic framework. It says, since, since our founding in 1973, IPAS has improved women's health by increasing access to abortion care and protecting individuals' rights to make their own reproductive health decisions. Our vision and our mission remain steadfast. Our vision. A world where every woman and girl has the right and ability to determine her own sexuality and reproductive health. Our mission, women and girls have improved sexual and reproductive health and rights through enhanced access to and use of abortion and contraceptive care. Huh. Okay. So they have a diagram here. It says sustainable woman-centered abortion care, political support and leadership, financing, commodities, health, workforce and service delivery health information, community, social norms and support, individual knowledge and agency, policy and legislation. Um, all right. 
So what I'm noticing when I keep looking. Hold on. So in America, they have one, two, three, four, five stations. In Asia, they have one, two, three, four, five, six stations. In Africa, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, interesting. I'm just saying they're, they're heavy at work in Africa, which could be great. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I, okay, here's my hesitation. It feels agenda-based. I'm not quite buying the idea that this is just benevolent. We want to help you. There's donate button, donate now buttons on every page. Safe abortion saves lives. Okay. I'm wondering culturally, how do they make adjustments for having this placed in countries? Because some of the rhetoric, when I was reading their website, interchanges sexuality with the abortion service. And I'm starting to sense ideologies being attached to this entire thing that may not match the geographies they claim to be wanting to help. And that could cause huge detriment. I don't like the idea that perhaps seeking assistance from certain organizations means you also have to import their ideologies. Um, however progressive they may be, that has to be an in-house event because we cannot replicate organizations from other geographies without having understood for ourselves what this is going to mean. I say that as a person speaking of, you can come here and have the sexually progressive quote-unquote rhetoric and you know all these kinds of appendages that come with the new body-related culture and compromise the integrity of the delivery of these services here. I don't need it to look glittery, I just need it to be accessible here. And by the way, free does not necessarily mean accessible. Because there are all kinds of barriers that can be put in terms of the discrimination based on your age, your presentation, your socioeconomic background. It just takes one healthcare professional to decide, no, you can't have this. And so the needs are too unique to make this a, a staple, we're going to go out here and, and do it this way. I don't know. I hope it's coming. It's not top down and it's coming from the areas they say they want to assist. And that is authentic and it's about doing the work. Because let's get into this other organization. Par Sorry. <clears throat> Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood has a reputation for some things that are initially quite positive sounding. And then it also has a reputation that is quite worrisome in that even on YouTube it's available, there's undercover footage of them speaking about human trafficking and, and um, underage girls and selling people and selling fetuses, aborted fetuses, and making tons of money with that. It all sounds so gory, but then when you see the undercover footage, it's just kind of like, okay, well, look, <laughs> a person came in here to get services and a lot more services were offered than we thought. And then I was thinking about what would be on one's conscious if, if you do bring abortion about, you know, not just decriminalizing it, but making it a service that is provided accessibly and such. What other ramifications does that come with? If people are not mentally prepared for the maturity it takes to approach this matter and to handle, you know, this privilege of being able to, to access an abortion, because it's still a privilege. It's not a global, everywhere you go, everyone is able to get it. It'd be the developed countries that seem first receptive and it's spreading gradually. But if we're not mentally prepared... If our dating life and our 
I don't know, the courtship culture and the stance of gender-based violence. We just read that those stats, 66 rapes, 55 defilements in the festive season. How are we going to approach abortion? What is it going to become and what is it going to mean? But then the other side to that question is, in the absence of abortion, kids are being born into those circumstances still. So I don't know if there's anything better of the two. It's quite confusing. And I get why conversations like this take forever. Because it is very layered. It's a lot. And I don't believe we can just go tap this organization, IPAS, and say, hey girls, bring it here because... We have to make it something specific to our needs, something sensitive to our culture, our context, something that doesn't try to transform us overnight into something we didn't actually have the intention of becoming. I don't want ideological vessels trying to bulldoze Trojan horse their way sorry, into our country under the guise of wanting to deliver reproductive rights. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I'm not quite clear based on the website how exactly they assist. So they said, okay, fine. They do trainings and this and that. Is it like, maybe I should give them a call. But is it like you call them and say, hey, I'm in this country and here's what I'm trying to actualize. What can I do? I, I'm trying to get clear on that. Um, but I am weary, you know. The Planned Parenthood saga and hearing the backdoor things that are happening there. I don't want to usher my sisters into the hands of foreign institutions that are going to do all kinds of questionable things. I have to take a lot of time with this and figure out what exactly is going on. <laughs> I didn't expect to be saying that because I was fervently like, yes, abortion. Now I'm like, wait, but how? By who and when? And, you know, all of those questions. All right, so next we're going to look at some articles and we will be right back. That was a bird at my window. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, we're back. So in the second half, I wanted to share some interesting articles that I found uh, that per perhaps enrich the context of what we look at abortion as. So this first one is a 2013 article by Mugwena, Mugwena and Van Wick from the University of Pretoria. Okay, it's called Traditional Healers' Views on the Termination of Pregnancies in Mamelodi, South Africa. Okay, so it's 2013. Um, so this is a contextual and descriptive qualitative study. Um, consulted seven traditional healers from Mamelodi, an urban area near Pretoria in South Africa. They were interviewed regarding their views on the termination of pregnancies. According to South African legislation, only doctors and trained midwives can provide legalized termination of pregnancy services. However, all traditional healers who participated in the study terminated pregnancies on request and, in some cases, did so repeatedly for the same woman. <clears throat> Although they advised their patients not to use abortions as a family planning method, they recommended that women should use traditional contraceptive herbs to prevent pregnancies. The interviewed traditional healers believed in their remedies and only advised their patients to consult healthcare professionals at hospitals in cases of severe bleeding. Some South African women consult continue to consult traditional healers to terminate their pregnancies, despite the availability of legalized feet-free termination of pregnancy services at government hospitals and clinics. Traditional healers provide termination of pregnancy services during one visit, maintain confidentiality about the procedure, and provide traditional cleansing services as well, unlike the government health care services that require repeated visits before the procedure can be completed, and then these women still need to visit traditional healers for the traditional cleansing services. Two things that jumped out at me. <clears throat> Um, the abstract indicated how even amidst legalized abortion um, and, you know, it's free. This goes back to what we spoke about, about free does not necessarily mean easily accessible. 
it's indicating another barrier that can be in, uh, introduced, which is not just finance. I know that's a huge presumption that money is the only issue. <clears throat> no. But the fact that you have to do a series of visits. Now you can decide whether or not you want to conclude if that's a good or a bad thing. But um, the tedium adds to trauma if you had have any trauma or is just highly inconvenient if you ha at least have no trauma. Mm. Another thing it indicates is how traditional cleaning services, the aspect spiritually whereby by tradition you need to um, have the, the spirit of the unborn child kind of informed that it won't be here. To my understanding, from what I have heard and been told, uh, a spirit needs to be informed that it will not be joining you. Otherwise, it does join you. It's just not, you know, in a physical body. And so it kind of harasses you throughout your life. I know there's a funny image I'm getting there of just like, you know, a ghost hanging around and watching you. But apparently that's pretty much what happens is that spirit is not really aware that it's not here. You have to do right by that spirit and inform it that it will not be joining you. <clears throat> also in terms of spirituality, my understanding is, based on what I have encountered in my research, is... Uh, there's no moralistic or ethical conclusion on it being good or bad. It's not a matter of good or bad, but certainly there are consequences if you are not, uh, as they say, the spiritual cleanse afterwards. It's quite important. Even in some of the tweets we read earlier, people mentioned that. Um, so this is a... A great take if you are interested. It is on the UP Space Home Institutional Wait. Okay, Department of Library Services. It's free to read, it's right here. Um great to have insight from all kinds of institutions. Oh see, I closed the tab. Sorry, I wasn't done. There was some insight at the bottom. That I wanted to. Oh, okay. It's not on this one. Okay, I think it's on the other one. Right. So the next article is a 2018 one, which contains a very concerning statistic, which is that 13% of maternal deaths worldwide are due to unsafe abortions. So unsafe meaning not in formal medical institutions. Um, so this is a 2018 article. It's called Unsafe Abortion and Associated Factors Among Reproductive Aged Women in Sub-Saharan Africa, a protocol for a systematic review and meta-analysis. Okay. I was going to give you the surnames of the, the authors of this article, but I'm going to mess up pronunciation and I don't have time to offend anybody today. <laughs> okay, so unsafe abortion is a neglected public health problem contributing to 13% of maternal death worldwide. I tried to look for the figure of the 2018, since this was in 2018, the 2018 figure of maternal deaths. Um, I can't seem to find it. So I know what it looks like in terms of the number, not the rate. Anyways, it continues to say, in Africa, 99% of abortions are unsafe. This was in 2018. It says, in Africa, 99% of abortions are unsafe, resulting in one maternal death per 150, 150 cases. The prevalence of unsafe abortion is associated with restricted abortion law, poor quality of health service, and low community awareness. Okay. Okay, now. <laughs> My spirit is moving. These numbers are actually quite disappointing. But here we go. There's uh, details that the article contains, if you are keen. It is on the Systematic Reviews Journal biomedcentral.com um here done in discussion there's some numbers i thought were very 
interesting. It says evidence indicates that maternal mortality ratio secondary to unsafe abortion is 950 times higher in SSA than in the USA. Okay, now I need to find out what SSA means. Let me scroll down. They have their own abbreviations. Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. So evidence indicates that maternal mortality ratio secondary to unsafe abortion is 950 times higher in sub-Saharan Africa than in the U.S. With 520 for sub-Saharan Africa and 0.6 in the U.S. per 100,000 live births, respectively. The burdens of unsafe abortion and its associated maternal mortality are disproportionately higher for women in Africa than in any other developing region. So going back to the critique I had about the website that had more centers in Africa, I wonder if, let's presume they are authentic and just benevolently wishing to help. This would be a good reason. The fact that African women are highly, disproportionately more vulnerable during unsafe abortions um, that would make sense. Okay. It's chef. The global unsafe abortions was 29% and more seriously, 62% of all deaths related to unsafe abortion occurred in Africa in 2008. Mm. Okay. So that's the second article. I thought we would look at. And the next gives a context that I think we can use to compare to Botswana. Um, it focuses on one area in the DRC, which is Kinshasa. All right. So this is a 2019 article titled Unintended Pregnancy and Abortion in Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of Congo. Challenges and Progress. This is on gutmatcher.org, G-U-T-T-M-A-C-H-E-R.org. It's a report. And yeah, this is the most recent one of the articles we've looked at. Um, so 2019. And so what's contained in this article, some revelations that I think are quite interesting and give like a, a, a microcosm of the circumstances women happen to be in reproductively. And I think it may be quite similar in bots. Obviously not at these numbers. We don't have that population. But the rates, by all means. I, I'm thinking of this as a way of trying to wrap my head around the climate in bots in terms of... And what's the word they used? Unintended pregnancies. I like that. Because, you know, unwanted tends to have moral connotations that there's no time for. Okay. So what's happening in Kinshasa? Uh, it happens to be that in the DRC, the penal code, so the law, prohibits abortion. But the code of medical ethics has permissions for abortion under very strict circumstances, making it largely inaccessible. So this is where there's the policing and the criteria added to who can, who can't. Um, and so the numbers are that... In 2019? No, in 2016 is when they considered some figures. And what they came out with was in 2016, 146,700 uh, abortions were conducted in Kinshasa. And 37,870 of them required post-procedure attention. Okay, this is, the demographic is the ages of 15 to 49. Okay. Reproductive age, obviously. No coincidence there. Um, so it says 34% end up needing medical care. Okay. And only 5% had no complications. The rest had mild to severe complications. And finally, 61% of pregnancies in 2016 in Kinshasa 
were unintended. With that final figure, we're going to part. And hopefully we'll have a different idea of what a pregnancy will mean when you consider that in 2016. You know, people think these are progressive times and it's easier to raise a child. There's access, there's opportunities, there's this, there's that. Um, when in this region, in 2016, 61% of pregnancies, that means 6 out of 10. That means over half of people who conceived had not intended to. That literally indicates how much of a consequence reproduction is during sex and how <laughs> to try to make sex synonymous with reproduction places this burden, this disproportionate burden on women to create a life every day. Think, okay, let me put this device away. Can you just imagine if every time you have relations, you're worried you can create a human? How do you even mentally grasp that kind of thing because it's not a colonial idea abortion was around before colonialism there were traditional means and continues to be the article indicated for us okay the 2013 article indicated for us there by the traditional healers who spoke about it it's been a part of humanity when we take it away on semi-moral grounds but there's these conditions i start to get confused because it's like okay the action is abhorrent but then not in certain circumstances and i'm still in thoughts with myself about where is the line with abortion because yeah i also like when we looked at the tweets i had a sensitivity about this frequency two in one year i had the gasp it was automatic I just, oh my gosh and I also do consider like about the acceptability of time frames and it's three months or six months or four weeks and the difference between when we start to feel less comfortable and why. If you want to consider a counter argument to abortion, a person who has exceptional arguments <laughs> for why abortion is absolutely aberrant and its arguments that have been presented so far should be contested. Ben Shapiro does an exceptional job. The case he makes when he lays out why abortion is aberrant and should remain criminal and it should not be allowed is quite compelling. But I won't, I won't put it here because I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to promote that. But I mean, maybe next time we'll talk a bit about it because he does have quite a compelling case. Um, but then when I'm sitting here watching our sisters lose their dreams, drop out of college, not have their jobs, be unhappy and stuck in circumstances that hinder their growth career-wise or however else, I I'm willing to bypass certain things. I just am. I just am. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for today. Happy New Year once again. Um... We'll part on this note if you want to email. The email is moreaboutyoupod at gmail.com. I still haven't checked it. I will. <laughs> Give me time. I'll get to it. But I enjoyed going over these materials with you. Um, it's going to be an interesting year for us. Let's be optimistic. Let's care for ourselves. Let's just do what we can, actually. You know? Screw that. Even if you aren't doing so great at some of these things, you're trying. I'm proud of you. Keep trying. And, yeah. I'll see you next time. Bye.